Ah, yes, fourth and final hour here on CBS Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every single day. Big game today, Auburn, Alabama. Rivalry, a lot on the line. Let's uh, welcome board right now. Phil Savage uh, runs the Reese's Senior Bowl, executive director, uh, Crimson Tide color analyst, book out, fourth and goal every day. Uh, Phil, Mark Malusis and Maggie Gray with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. Well, good morning to both of you. Happy Iron Bowl Saturday. Yes, it is, Phil. I can't wait. 3.30. You're, I mean, you're going to – it is as good as it gets when you look at a rivalry and certainly with everything that is on the line this afternoon. Yeah, this rivalry is very intense regardless of records, and you throw in the fact that this is for all the marbles. A state championship equals an SEC Western Division title. That equals a trip to Atlanta, and you can punch your own ticket then to the college football playoff without having to wait uh, on the college football playoff committee to vote you in, especially if you're Alabama. There's a lot of talk that if Bama uh, came to Auburn today and loses this game, at least in a close fashion, they would still have an opportunity to get into the playoff. But I promise you inside uh, the walls of the Malmore building and with within the coaching staff and the players, they're not thinking that way at all. No, and you obviously got to look at the entire conference, the SEC. You have to look at Alabama's schedule, that Florida State win maybe not looking as good because of the injury to Francois going back to the opener. But, Phil, I know you – well, I've interviewed you before. We don't know each other well, but I know that you do scouting reports for Nick Saban before every single game. I mean, that's more than just a color analyst, right? That's like giving actual notes to the man himself – I know it's 9 o'clock Eastern time. you got till 3.30 until the game kicks off. Can you tell us one or two things that were in your scouting report of Auburn today? <laughs> well, I think one thing about Auburn is that they're a momentum team, and a lot of that momentum occurs because of their success on first down. They average over seven yards per play on a first down snap, so they're always ahead of the sticks. Therefore, uh, it's going to be incumbent upon Alabama to get some knockback, so to speak, at the line of scrimmage. When Alabama has struggled against Auburn, it's been when they've caught blocks at the line of scrimmage. So today, Bama's defensive front must be very physical uh, at the line of scrimmage to try to get their arms around Carrion Johnson, who, quite honestly, is a much more complete back than Cam Petway. Cam Petway uh, was their inside bruising runner for Auburn. He suffered a, a fractured scapula a few weeks ago. That's when they turned the reins over to carry on Johnson. And Johnson can run inside. He can run outside. He can catch the football out of the backfield. He's going to be the number one focal point for this Bama defense. Uh, Phil, uh, for those that look at Alabama and you're around this program, uh, you're very close to Nick, um, this year's Alabama team, as compared to teams gone by, uh, people will be critical about who they played, who's on the schedule. How good is this Alabama team going into Auburn this afternoon? Well, I think this team is going to be somewhat different because I think today Bama can lean on their offense uh, more than they ever have in the past. I mean, this has been a defensive-oriented uh, program since Nick Saban arrived, not to take anything away from the Julio Joneses or Trent Richardsons or, heck, two years ago, Derrick Henry ran the football 46 times in this game to secure the Heisman Trophy and the win for Alabama. But 
what has happened is over the course of the last year and a half, Jalen Hurts is one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the country. Brian Dable, the new offensive coordinator, was given the task to try to make Hurts a more complete quarterback. In recent weeks, we've seen Alabama be able to throw themselves out of trouble. In other words, third and seven, third and nine, third and 11. So therefore today, I think Alabama will be very balanced offensively. I think they can lean on their passing game more than they ever have before in this particular uh, rivalry. And so it's going to be a more offensive-oriented team in terms of the fans' memory of this 2017 squad. But uh, today it's all about the three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. We know all about the, the injuries to the Alabama linebackers. They've lost 33 games of starting capability from uh, line, from defensive players, seven defensive players, but 28 of those 33 came from the linebacking core. There's some speculation and talk that they could get one or two of those players back today, which would be a big boost for the tie. Without a doubt, we're talking with Phil Savage. He's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, but also a Crimson Tide color analyst has spent a lifetime in football, including being with the Cleveland Browns when both Saban and Bill Belichick were in the building. And, you know, without the cliche of next man up, Phil, you know, you're just talking about the injuries to linebacker position. I mean, nobody plugs holes better than Belichick, right? I mean, nobody masks and covers up potential deficiencies, makes normal guys, quote-unquote normal guys, you know, pro bowlers better than Belichick. But Saban's got a lot of that, too. Can you take us back to that time when both were in the same building and sort of what was that like for you and some of the major takeaways in terms of just how similar Belichick and Saban approached the game, even though one's pro and one's college? Yeah, I think uh, when you talk about those two individuals, first of all, the football intellect is at a higher grade than most anybody else uh, in the sport. Number two, the work ethic. I mean, yes, you may lose a player or two, but that doesn't mean that you haven't gotten other players ready to go behind the scenes, or you can craft a game plan to work around the losses of those individuals. So the intellect, the work ethic, and then the adjustability, the adaptability. You think about Bill Belichick, all the changes around he and Tom Brady through the years, a whole different cast of players over the course of these last 17 years. And then you look at Nick Saban. He's won five national titles four of which came with different quarterbacks. Only A.J. McCarron was a repeat winner for Nick Saban. So he's been able to create and build teams in different methods, different ways at LSU and now here at Alabama. And you look at Alabama back in 2009, they were a 3-4 front, average about 280 pounds across their front line and linebackers. Now, uh, nine, ten years later, they average about 250 pounds per man across the board. So they've gotten lighter and faster to try to combat all these spread offenses. And they're going to see uh, one of the best today in the form of the Auburn Tigers. You know, Phil, when you look at both quarterbacks, I'm curious what your take is on, on Hertz and who has been criticized in the past, better runner than he is a thrower, and what Stidham's done uh, for the Auburn Tigers this year. Yeah, let's start with Stidham, of course. He spent last fall at McLennan. McLennan Junior College, community college in Texas, not even playing football. He sat out for a year after starting his career at Baylor. Uh, he and Chip Lindsey, their new offensive coordinator, have grown together this year. Uh, the thing about Stidham that's different than any of the Auburn quarterbacks in the last year or two 
really other than Cam Newton and Nick Marshall, those two guys could launch the ball deep. Stidham can throw it downfield as well. He's got 17 pass completions over 40 yards. So they really rely on the explosive play. Alabama's going to have to defend the football in the air and way downfield. But Stidham's arm strength is really the, the differentiating factor between he and some of the other Auburn quarterbacks that have played under Malzahn. And then for Jalen Hurts, I don't necessarily think it's far-fetched to think if he has a big game today that he'll find his way into New York as a Heisman finalist. He is truly the straw that stirs the drink offensively for Alabama. And today, I think Auburn tries to take the quarterback run away by putting an eighth defender in the box to try to combat Hurts' legs. Therefore, he's got to win the game with his arm. And with Calvin Ridley and this set of wide receivers, I think he's capable of doing. He played very well against Mississippi State on the road a few weeks ago. He actually played well against LSU when they tried to play man-to-man on the outside and crowd the box. So I think Jalen Hurts today is in in line to have a really uh, fine performance. You know, Phil, I'm not going to ask you about the outcome of the game because I have a feeling I know where you're going to lie there. And even if you were really did think that Auburn was going to win, there's no way you're going to say that on the air today. I understand that. <laughs> I think this is going to be a very close game, though. Moose sees it as, you know, lines four and a half. Uh, Moose laid the four and a half. I took the points. I guess, with uh, you know, sort of knowing where your allegiance lies, but just do you think this is going to be a close game? Well, I tell you, I think this is going to be a closer to a high-end uh, scoring game than a low-scoring game. I think both offenses are going to give both defenses some problems. I I expect both teams to clear 20 points. I think for Bama to win, though, I think they've got to clear 30 points. I mean, Auburn, in their six SEC wins, they've scored 40 points or more in all six of those wins. So I think Alabama's got to pack their offense today. And then, of course, J.K. Scott, the punter, is going to be a, a big factor. But anytime Bama goes on the road, Maggie and Moose, it's all about ball security and making their field goal. So Andy Papanastas, who's 15 for 19 on the season, when Bama gets down in scoring territory, they've got to be able to put the ball through the pipes. Of course, the kick six game, the most famous of all these iron balls, Bama was 0 for 4 that afternoon on field goals. So they've got to make their kicks, protect the football, and then, as I mentioned earlier, defend the shots downfield because I do think Auburn's going to try to go up and over the top of this Bama defense. You know, Phil, I, I, I got a question outside of Auburn, Alabama, of the college football variety, because, I mean, you're, you're a great scout. You worked in front office at the NFL. Uh, you know, you've got a wealth of knowledge. When wh- I'm going to ask you the billion-dollar question. Why do you think NFL teams miss so much? Because this is going to be an interesting NFL draft class, Rosen, Darnold, uh, Josh Allen. Why do you think NFL teams miss so much and evaluating college quarterbacks and their ability to transition to be an NFL signal callers. Now I can sum it up really in one sentence. I go to obviously the Bama games on Saturdays, and I hit a lot of NFL games on Sundays. Same sport, two different games. And so what you see on Saturday is really only part and parcel to what you see on Sunday from the quarterback position. And so to make that quantum leap, You've got to be able to forecast the guy with the intellect, the adaptability, the arm strength, the mobility, the leadership. I mean, there are certain college quarterbacks, guys, that they they could almost be a mute 
In other words, they're taking signals from the sideline. The team, their teammates are taking signals from the side. They never have to say a word. Then all of a sudden you're thrust into an NFL huddle talking to grown men that are relying on you to make a living. That is a big leap from That's just true. an intangible standpoint. So all those things are really hard to gauge because you're talking about intangibles. I don't think NFL teams miss on the physical talent. I think they miss on the intangibles because it is really hard to to evaluate what is going on on the college field versus what is going to be required in a professional organization. You know, Phil, final one for me, and I really enjoyed your book, The Fourth and Goal, every day. And you got, you and I talked about it. And one thing that I've gone to back to a lot from that book is the idea about um, scouting guys really on like a six stars, if you will, or, or a six, a one through six. And saying that, you know, like a Belichick and a Saban would rather have a four uh, with a poten- who's a potential to be a six rather than just a five, right? Does that make sense? So a, a person who's yeah, a four. Yeah, in other words, who, yeah, yeah, who what could you be were a saying six. is you'd rather, you'd rather not coach average players with average ability. You want to coach somebody that's got the potential. And the thing that Bill and Nick have been, they can see, you know, a certain characteristic or a certain trait and then maximize that trait and build out the rest of the player's resume, so to speak. You know, Malcolm Butler, the corner from West Alabama, is a perfect example. He went from an undrafted free agent to a Super Bowl MVP and, and a high-priced uh, and a high, highly paid corner in the NFL. That's an extreme example. But that's exactly what you're talking about in terms of the development behind the scenes. If I heard Nick Saban say once, I've heard him say it a thousand times, that football is a developmental sport, and those are two coaches that absolutely work behind the scenes to try to maximize each player's ability. Okay, so, Phil, with that in mind, we talked a lot about Dak Prescott earlier, and I know he was at the Senior Bowl, and I think he was the MVP of the Senior Bowl, if I'm not mistaken about that. I mean, we see Dak now. He doesn't have Ezekiel Elliott there. And, you know, some people I've said, you know, maybe this is just as good as he is, you know, and maybe he doesn't have any more and another gear. What do you think about Dak? Because I believe that you have seen him up close and personal. Sure. Oh, yeah. I think obviously last year was a perfect combination of he and Zeke Elliott. And look, the first time you go through the batting order, so to speak, these defenses don't have a book on you. The second season or the second or third or fourth rematch, especially within divisional games, they start to take away some of your strengths, and you've got to adjust and reinvent yourself to try to create some, take some of your weaknesses and turn those into strengths. Because these defensive coordinators in the NFL, they're going to make you beat them left-handed, so to speak. Right. Dak's going through some of that right now, and obviously without Zeke Elliott, that's a whole different offense, especially with the injuries they've had on the offensive line. Can Dak overcome this and adjust to it absolutely he's got incredible intangibles but he's going to have to lean on that mental capacity and the mental toughness to get through some rough times here phil savage reese's senior bowl executive director uh, obviously alabama crimson tide color analyst uh, the book fourth and goal every day hey phil uh, tremendous job. We appreciate a couple minutes this morning. Enjoy the Iron Bowl this afternoon. I mean, we're all going to be watching. The nation will be uh, tuned to Auburn, Alabama, and we appreciate a couple minutes this morning. All right, guys. I appreciate it. For Alabama, it's all about poise in the noise. There you go. <laughs> with you, Maggie. I appreciate it. Thank you. Got Thank it, you, Phil. Phil. Poise in the noise.